Welcome back to Perform Talks. I'm your host, Bethany Unwin. And before we get on with today's show, I just want to let you guys know that our free monthly online performing arts magazine is now available to download. All you need to do is head to peermag.co.uk or you can follow the link in our show notes to download your free copy of Performing Arts Mag. Don't forget, if you love these episodes, please head to iTunes to leave us a review. All reviews help us get noticed by more performers and help get more free information and industry insight out there to help as many people as we can. A huge thank you for your support and without further ado, let's get on with the show. In this episode, I'm joined by actor Dave Pullen. Dave's coming on the show to share his inspirational story of turning negative things into a positive. Please be aware that in this episode, subject matters such as mental health and a physical attack will be mentioned. Thank you. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dave Pullen, who is an actor and creative. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited to speak to you and especially with your story and we'll get on to that um, later in the show. But can you just tell us a bit about who you are and what you get up to? Yeah, so I'm, as you said, I'm Dave. Um, I'm 25 years old, uh, even though I look like a 16 year old. Um, And I've been in the industry, both the industries for four to five years um i've had numerous projects given to me and i've been performed in and i've had um educational trained by uh, the nscg performing arts center which is staffordshire based um i love running i've just got back into running because my mental health um and i've got a few big things coming up next year which I'm looking forward to that's exciting I love it when there's projects on the horizon it's an exciting time (laughs) so um what made you want to be an actor what was the start of it all for you there was one word and one word only and you yourself will know who they are um in 2017 I was actually part of Screen Fest in Burton now I wasn't at I didn't know what to expect. I just went just to see what it was like. Um, I went to, what was it called now, Terra Farm the year before, which was Drayton, Drayton, Lower Drayton Farm in Tamworth, just to have a look around because I'd never really done any scare mates. So I went there and they said to apply for their team the next year. Well, when I went to apply for them next year, they actually discontinued and they were only live for about two to three years. So I was thinking, right, okay. Didn't want to do Scarefest because it was my first project. Um, and it came up with Screenfest. And I thought, right, let's go for it. So me and my best friend, Kirk, um, we went for it. And it, she's not there anymore, but Rosie Redford-Jones, she was amazing. She actually made fight form training and everything like that. And she says, we've got something with you here, Dave, and I want to use it. And I got in and I was like, oh my God, I've just got into it. 
And they put me in, which is still there now, because um, Kirk went this year um, just to go and have a look around and see what it was like again. But they've still got Love Hurts. Now, out of every project and everything, Love Hurts will always be my baby. Um, because it's the first thing which made me get into, to acting. So I don't know how much Love Hurts is changed but for people who don't know it's um basically speed dating go gone wrong here i'm trying to advertise screen fest now <laughs> uh, and it's at the diced heart pub who's owned by professor hart and i'm not going to go into detail what happens into it but there was one trial called trial four which was animals which i don't know there anymore don't know how much they've moved um it was in a junkyard, and that was my place to basically make chaos. And the amount of times I had to take honey and lemon water for my throat was incredible. I had people coming to me afterwards saying that they could hear me from the queue line, and I was over the music, and I'd, I absolutely loved it. Um, I didn't want it to end. Um, and that's how I fell in love with it. Um, while I was at Screen Fest, I was looking at how to get into being an actor and all this stuff. And I actually got um, a part as an extra as a zombie in a feature film, which was getting filmed two days after Screen Fest finished, um, who had Neil Baldwin, who was also known as... Um, Nello the Clown for Stoke City, um, or Marvellous, as people would know. Um, he was actually in it, so I actually was in a film with him in um, two days afterwards. And if anyone knows, and if it, what's it, it used to be called Freeport Stoke. It's a massive shopping centre in Stoke. Well, I actually got to run havoc in that shopping centre late at night when the doors closed, the zombies came out and played. And there's one thing about Screenfest which I thought I would forget, and I never will forget it, and I'm hoping to go back next year, um, either to be one of the scare actors or even try and go to be one of the scare captains because I have directed a few things. And that is the Screenfest chant. And I hope they still do it because that's one thing which made Screenfest for me. Um, so it, I've done quite a lot of things, but Screen Fest will always be my baby in acting because that's the first thing I did, first every time I acted, and that's what gave me the passion. And I wish Rosie was still there. She um, she's still about. Don't you worry. She's she? she's right. still about. <laughs> <laughs> You can't get rid of her. Um, oh, no. It's her baby. Screamfest is her baby. <laughs> um, but I know um, someone called... Is, is it Izzy who's taken over? Is it... Someone told me someone's taken... Is Rosie still... Rose is still doing doing what she's doing um, and helping organise things and stuff, but the coordinator this year was Mike and he was... Amazing, but I think right. it's a different Mike from the one that you know, because he's known as the new Mike, because there's two Mikes. <laughs> so, 
Um, anyway, he was fantastic. He was incredible. Um, and Screamfest this year, even with COVID restrictions, still went ahead with like 30,000 people coming. So it was, it was. Oh my God. Yeah. That's like, that's like Scarefest. Gosh, so it has got a bit more. It was no. huge this year. It was massive. There was a lot of, um, on preview night, there was a lot of TikTokers and everything there that came to promote it. So oh it was God. a bigger thing this year, for sure. It's huge. But each year it's just going to get bigger and better. And I was part of the dancers, not the actors yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Originally, I was meant to be an actor. And then they were like, oh, no, we've, we're a dancer down. You can step in. So I ended up oh, being that instead. Geez. To be fair, I got to do, I was very lucky. I got to do a lot of the acting, like walking around, interacting with guests. I was on the main entrance. I was on the main exit. Um, So it was a lot of fun. It was amazing. So I understand why it's so special because it it was for me as well. It was a lot of fun. It is the first, what was that your first event, first time Um, doing it all? It was my first time doing anything like that. Um, I've done other things, but with, that being my first ever like immersive performance where we actually have to interact with guests in character and maintain that through the whole night and that was um that was a challenge especially when you don't know what the audience is going to (laughs) do like you have no idea how people are going to react so that was quite always exciting but also kind of scary at the same time because you never know what situation was going to get thrown at you what on what evening but um it was a very exciting experience and I think as an actor it will be something that I take with me on every job you just learn so much yeah that, that's what I did that's what I did I, I thanked Rosie after and said look you've made me become what I should become and you've got you've made me have a voice which I never actually thought I had, I was, because like, you would know, Love Hurts, the, the messed up, insane people, but with me, I couldn't talk, that was the trait, I couldn't talk, I had to do, and because the first thing which came out of me was like a bit like a velociraptor, zombie kind of thing, I kept with it, and... I can't remember. We all had to close our eyes. This was one of the very first training sessions we had. We all had to close our eyes. Everyone, every single mate had to close our eyes and everything in standing space. And one by one, Rosie would pick on us. And we'd walk around that space and try and make people jump. And first of all, I was a a crazy baby. It's like, mommy, where are you? And kind of stuff like that. I want to play hide and seek kind of thing. And then this, but only a couple of people put hun, hand up to say that they freaked out. I was thinking, right, that don't really work. So I tried my zombie and I could tell you now more than 10 people put their hands up. I was like, yes, that, that's the noise I need. And that's the noise I used. And I absolutely loved it. It did destroy my voice at the end, but I've learned to train my voice more now because it was in the cold, because we were in an outside barn with no <laughs> heating or anything. Um, but I think I'm going to go for it again next year. Um, now I'm settled and where I am, I'm going to try again next year. Um, I didn't do it this year because I, I've had one while I've been, but 
I will be back at Screencast, hopefully, fingers crossed, next year. I just don't know what I'm going to go for yet. don't know if I'm going to go for Scare Act or Scare Captain. I, I really do not know. Um, I would love to go Scare Captain, but I would love to go Scare Actor because the Scare Actor does more than Scare Captain on the nights as such. So I don't know. It's something I need to think about, but I will be going back, hopefully, next year for Screenfest. Amazing. So next year, they better watch out. Let's just say <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, so while we're on the subject of obviously, you've said you've been unwell. Let's um talk about yeah. twenty twenty because while that was a horrific year for many people, for you in particular, you had a very very bad year. Please, can you yeah. um? Tell listeners at home um, what what you've gone through and how you're making what happened a positive thing. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just the end of 2020, which was a bad year for me. Um, I was actually made homeless. I'm not going to tell you the situations and that, but because of my mental health, I was actually made homeless in May 2020, um, where I then was... Because I was in care, uh, well, I wasn't in care, I was a care leaver as such. Um, I was then given the opportunity to go with this support accommodation place. And I stayed with them for a couple of months, um, volunteering with them as well and everything. A bit like the YM, but completely 100,000 times better. Um, and I want to thank Open Door Stoke on Trent for what they have done for me. That's the company's name. And um, I stayed with them, and then I had an opportunity to move down to Kent. Three weeks later, I was actually made homeless again. Um, and if it wasn't for Open Door Stoke on Trent again, I would have been still on the streets of Kent. Um, the same day they actually said, Dave, come back. We've got you a room. Just come back. And I went back. I'm not going to say the situations. Um, I never got in trouble. I never got mental years or anything like that. It's nothing like that. It was personal um, life stuff was going on. And I stayed with them and I volunteered and everything. Life is great. I started to get my mental health back up and everything like that. I was moved into their new house, which is a shared house. It's still supported, but it's a shared house and, and life was going great and all this stuff. And then on, I was volunteering a lot. I was going to the 24 hour supported house, helping them cook and all this stuff. And as classes an official volunteer and everything. And then December came and I didn't like Christmas anyway because of what happened throughout 2020 and I was made homeless in Christmas 2019. So I had quite a rough year anyway and then COVID as well. And I knew it's going to be hard Christmas for me, but December the 18th became even a hard Christmas for me. And as I said to you before the call, and I'm going to tell everyone now, I can't go into detail um what happened as such but on the night time of december the 18th i was actually just walking home and i was a victim of an unprovoked attack um 
which has left me with, I would say, career-changing injuries. Um, I can't say it's life-changing as such yet. Um, and I'll go into detail when when you ask about what the impact is. But um, we didn't exactly know how bad my attack was until I got home where we actually found out in just that I had a concussion. Um, but I also got stabbed in my back, which then hit me home, basically. Um I wasn't far from home. I can't say how how far from home I was, but let's just say I wasn't far from home. Um, so I'm, I'm surprised I haven't got emotional about it because when I talk about it, I get emotional, but I haven't. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's been one of those, well, Let's just say nothing got better until July. Well, it did stop getting better in April-ish time, but this year, but nothing physically got better until July this year. So I have had, had, as most people would have had, a year and a half from hell. Um, yeah, that's yeah. the kind gist of things I've had in the last couple of years. So let's talk about, while we're on this subject, the impact that that had on you. Because obviously, as you say, these could be career-changing injuries and potentially yeah, so worse. I did have to have stitches on the night. Um, I had to be, they had to be in for 11 days, so I had to be very careful. But the 18th of December, 11 days, Christmas. I couldn't drink anyway, and I didn't want to drink. I did have with a Christmas meal because I was still in support accommodation. So the actual 24-hour support accommodation actually made me sleep there for the weekend of Christmas just because of the impact of it. Um, so we knew I was concussed. We knew I was concussed on the night because at the at the time, I refused an ambulance because I'm one of these stubborn people who doesn't want the help. Um, but unfortunately, I was sick. Um, so then we had to get an ambulance. This wasn't the 24-hour support. This was my shared house. I'm grateful. I'm not going to say his name, but I'm grateful for one of my housemates who actually did that for me. And then all the support workers came rushing to me. Um, so we knew I was concussed. Um, ambulance was called. Um, I had la lacerations. I think that's the word. Yeah, on the lacerations. Head. Yeah, on the top of my head. Um, and we thought that was it. We could tell my pupils were diluted, dilated, whatever you say they are. Um, I was very, very shaken up. Um, because of the, what the attack was, no one could touch my hands because I did put up a fight. Um, so they had to take swabs in my hands and all this stuff and DNA and um, everything. But then the police came and they wanted to take my clothes for forensics. They wanted to take my hoodie in particular. Um, I was wearing a light blue T-shirt. So when they took my hoodie off, 
there was blood down my back. And he says, Dave, did you feel anything go into your back? I was like, no. And the police looked at the ambulance and showed him the slit in my hoodie. So the ambulance lifted up my top. I'm like, oh, don't worry, Dave. I said, don't worry. I said, I've got stabbed, haven't I? And he said, um, yeah. And that was it then. It completely hit me. Um, I was taken to the hospital, and this is where it gets a bit weird now. Because I was taken to the hospital. They checked my head injury, said that there's no stitches like that. And I was lucky that I didn't have internal damage from the stab wound. They stitched me up or anything. But the one thing they should have done, and they never did, was a CT scan on my head or an MRI scan on my head. And fast forward February, March time this year, that started to come to apparent why they should have done one. Because one minute I was fine, the next minute I got very agitated. Disillusional, dissociative, I didn't know where I was, didn't know my name. Um, we just didn't understand why I was stuttering a lot. Um, and it, it, it's one of those things. Um, so we just thought, right, okay, we'll just carry on and we'll carry on. Um, I was diagnosed with PTSD, which I have still got, but it's not present as such. Um, well, it's not present as such now, but it will be in the future, but I can't go into detail with that. Um, you you know why, because I explained it beforehand, but I, I just can't, can't say anything on, on this podcast about what happens. Um, but, yeah, so we... Uh, we tried to get me in the in the doctors and support worker went with me and they were like, right, well, can you give us your mobile number? Well, I can give you my, my, my mobile number. I know my mobile number off by heart. The support worker's like, Dave, you shouldn't have done that because they're not going to... I says, yeah, but I said, it's not long-term memory. I've had that number for a while. I said, it's short-term memory to the point where... I changed my password on my email. I forget it after 30 minutes. Not like me. And I'll go into detail with what it's affected when we acted in a minute. So in May, I had an MRI done. And that was... I was really scared about that. Um, and luckily, they didn't find any physical damage. But what they have said is that it has... Uh, that there is evidence of something there and that my brain's fixing and that if by July sorry um, I'm no better I need to get referred to a neuropsychologist well throughout this I was trying to get back in with the mental health teams and there's primary care which is your well-being team um, your community teams but then there's something called secondary care which is your more clinical psychologists, psychiatrists, all those. Now, from January to July, they accepted me twice, but the next day they discharged me for no reason at all. So 
that made me even ill, more ill, more ill than you could have thought. Um, but I had the support of my girlfriend, um, who was living away um, from me because I was based in Staffordshire, she's based in Warwickshire. Um, so there was a distance and she she helped me pull through everything. And as I said, May came, I had it, they said there was no physical evidence, but if July comes and I'm no better, then I then had an opportunity to move in July and I took that with full speed ahead. And I'm actually based in Warwickshire now. So I am actually based by my partner, my girlfriend. Um, I see her many days a week and she actually helps keep my mental health stable. Um, I call them my little antidepressants because I'm not on any antidepressants. I don't want to go back on tablets at the moment because of my injuries. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm more stable now. I'm better than I was. I can't say what town I am in Warwickshire, just in case anyone who knows the people who did my attack. Um, but for my own safety, I had to move out of Staffordshire. Um, so, um, yes, yeah, so fast forward till, is it November? Yes, it November. Is, yeah. <laughs> and my memory and my, um, my memory and my, my brain and everything still no better. Um, I've had reports through, sorry, I'm just messaging. Um, That's all right. I've had, um, I've had reports through, um, and they're saying I've got a minor brain, <laughs> minor traumatic brain injury, um, which has shocked me now. Because I'm still waiting for mental health services, I've not referred to a neuropsychologist yet. On a performance scale, on an impact, it's going to be upsetting saying this, but it's kind of ruined my career um, at this moment in time. I'm one of these ones who... There's been something always wrong with my brain. I've been one of these weird people where I could be watching TV, you could be speaking to me, and you could say, Dave, you're not listening to me. And I could be like, I could just tell you exactly what you've just said, even if my concentration is on something something else. And my brain was incredible when it did that. Mental health didn't understand exactly why I could do that. Um, and... I could learn scripts, and I mean, com the, the, there's a play which I did in education called Alan Ackerborn's Confusions, and I was in the final scene, which is the park. Now, we had more males and females, so we had to change one of the female characters to a male character, which is mine, and it was instead of Beryl, it was Barry, and... Anyone familiar with Confusions, it's basically the park scene is one of the hardest scenes to do because it's just 
every single character has a monologue. And this was back before my attack. So this was in 2019. Um, and I could memorize that script within two days, which I didn't think I could. And I'm one of these ones who could learn scripts within days. Fast forward two years, and I had a film script which I'm going to be part of, which hopefully filming is going to be starting next month. I'm just waiting for the dates to come through for the YouTube series where I've got a new character in. I had a script, and within 30 seconds, I've got the lines. Within 30 seconds. And I'm thinking, for God's sake. So I tried again. So I tried a week later. So I tried a week later. And it it just wasn't sinking in. And to this point now, it's not sinking in. Like I said to you earlier, Screen Fest, I remember completely. Can even remember the tramp by half by heart because that's happened four years ago. That's long-term memory. Um, and this is why I said I can't... I don't know if I'm going to be able to go back on stage because there's times when people say stuff and my brain's taking minutes to register. So if I go back on stage and I miss a cue line, that's the whole performance probably in jeopardy. And this isn't a thing to say for creatives out there, oh, we don't want to work with him because he can't remember lines. At the end of the day, it's not my fault I can't remember lines. That There's something there which we just don't know what it is yet, which is making me forget stuff. And it's to the point where it's the dangerous territory now. Um, I actually volunteer at a place um, and there's been some stuff happening and it's been happening in front of me and I haven't even acknowledged it. Or if they ask Dave, can't you remember? No. They can give me training one day, the next day I forgot, or half an hour afterwards I forgot. And it's getting to the point where I'm not going to give up on my acting career. I'm not going to give up on the industries. But I'm starting to give up on myself because it's getting to the point where why aren't I getting better? This isn't concussion. This is something else. Um, I don't want to be part of projects until I know exactly what it is. Screenfest, places like Scarefest, places like that, I've done both of them. Um, it's all about um, improv. It's easy. It's, that would be easy for me. But when it comes to scripted stuff, like I had to get myself a tablet. That's what I'm talking on about today. Um, because then when I do go to films and whatnot, I've got my tablet until 30 seconds before my scene is shot, I can have a tablet with me. And that's what I'll do. Um, so physically, my injuries are better. Yes, I'm scarred. Yes, I have got a scar. But 
to me, that scar's making me. I've overcome stuff. I've overcome it. Uh, um, and I'm actually having. I've had a few. I know actors and film actors and that they're not really supposed to have many tattoos shown and all this stuff. And I said I would not have not any more done. And I'm actually having one next month, which is going to be in memory of my attack, um, which is going to be on my arm. So it's something which I can look at every day and say, look, Dave, you've overcome something which many people do not overcome because many people, if they do get attacked and stabbed, they actually die. Knife crime is at one of the highest in the country at the moment. Um, so it's one of those things, but I've overcome it physically. I've overcome it mentally um, as such, but it's the career changing, which is, I will never change my career. I've spent so much money on this career. It's not happening. Um, it's one of those things where I've just got to put up with it which I don't really want to, but there you go. There's a fast bit of the impact. I can't go in much detail than that. Yeah, I mean, it's it must be incredibly frustrating for yourself to you kind of yeah. know that there's still things that aren't getting fixed and there isn't a time given to you of when that's going to yeah. happen. Um, and, you know, you've been so courageous and coming and talking about it and I think as well like acknowledging that there are limitations for you right now it may not be forever in terms of the no. stage I mean the great thing about film is there are many takes so yeah, exactly. even if you forget one line on one they can like edit together and stuff and I think the understanding of collaborators and creatives to understand who they work with is a lot more um it's a lot more open and um supportive environment than it used to be 10 years ago five years ago there are a lot more collaborations on set now and a lot more understanding and communication as to terms of the support that actors need so I think that's that's going to be huge for you um and obviously you've said that that's going to be a limitation maybe you never being able to go on stage but what do you think you've gained in a positive way from this attack that you're going to be able to bring to your performing career now i don't know as such um probably because at the NSCG Performing Arts Centre, as part of BTEC Level 3, because I did both BTEC Level 3 and then I did HNC, um, but due to homelessness and everything, I didn't go into HND. Um, and I'm not going to go back to do HND. That, that, that's not a, not, not a path for me to take. Um, but we did a very, very, very dark play. And... When I say play such, for people who don't know um, the difference, well, most people know the difference between film, acting and stage now. With film, I'm going to quickly just say, just in case people don't know, but with film, you can have, like you said, you can have the scripts for up to, God, 
Well, it depends, but you can have the scripts with you on the day of the filming. Um, and you can kind of ad lib as such um, with it, with the director's permission, of course, but you can kind of ad lib a bit on film and there's a bit more freedom. But there's not that audience and that's the difference. Like, I love film acting and always going to be in film acting. I'm always going to be in stage acting and I'll come on to that in a little while what I've got planned for stage acting. But with stage acting, you can't take your script on stage. It's just impossible. Um, a couple of times I've had to, if someone's become ill on that day and I've had to step in, I've then disguised it as a menu or something like that. And that's what I did in Confusions. I had to play the butler in the restaurant scene. And that was really funny to do. Uh, because that person was there on the day and we we had to get someone to stand in. But we did something which was, she's died now, and 448 Psychosis was the final play she actually written. It was Sarah Kane. And I'm not going to go into detail who what happened to Sarah Kane or who she actually is, but it's a very, very dark play. The 448 Psychosis was a very dark play, and I'm not going to go into it because of the audience which are listening to this. But mental health was the, the forefront for that. And we had to break for the actors out there who are listening. And I know you're going to nod your head as soon as I say this, but we had to break that fourth wall. And not many people do that on stage, but we had to make basically the audience go, I can't take this anymore. Um, and I don't know if you know Sarah Kane and her work and 448 Psychosis is one of the darkest plays. Yep. Um, so it was one of those things where the college group, we were just given pages and pages and pages of words and we were like, what the hell is this? And it was the play. There was no characters, no no directions, nothing. And we were um, split into groups and we actually had the final segment, segment of the play. And I said, right, I've said, I've got an idea, guys. I've said, you guys can play the voices in the, the, med, the, the patient's mind. And I said, because of my mental health, I could probably play the patient. And that's what happened. I actually used my mental health and how I was feeling to then perform on stage. So it had more of an impact. And so when it comes to the attack, I will use that positively. So if there's a character who's been stabbed, I say, well, can I play that? Even though I'm going through it, coming from someone who's physically gone through it will have more impact than someone who's acting that they're coming through, yeah. gone through it. It's same as PTSD, same with memory loss. It's, it's one of these things where I can go, right, I've gone through this, but I'm going to use it positively. Yes, it's impacting my career 
And this is something I've got to be very careful about because of what's happening with my attack. Yes, it's had a massive impact on my career. It's actually had a massive impact on my personal life to the point where I've had to surrender my driving licence. Um, it, it, this is this is why I'm saying this on, on podcast, just in case some, someone's listening um, to this podcast. Um, so it's had an absolute impact on my career. But when all this is over, and only when all this is over, I will use... I will go back. I will bounce back. My name will be known again. Um, I will go back on stage, but I don't want the all clear from the doctors as such. I just want to know what it is. And when you ask me what's what lies in the future, I will, I will say what lies in the future. But there's, there's a certain project in my head where... Well, there's two, in fact. There's a stage and there's a film, but the stage, when it comes to it, because it will be classed as my future baby as such, um, there's going to be a lot of blood, sweat and tears going into it as such. Um, It's still in my head kind of thing, but... It's one of these things where I'm just going to use what I've been through to my advantage. Like I said, I've got no physical stoppages now as such. Um, it's just mental health. Um, there, there is scarring, like I said, and when I look at my scar, I do break down. But because it's on my back, I don't look at it much. Um, it's one of these things I've just got to live with what I've been through, just like I did with my childhood. I've overcome my childhood, I can overcome this. And that's the thing, and I'm hoping to start overcoming it very soon. Um, apart from that, that's how well I would use it. Um, and I would say to anyone who's going through mental health, or going through any physical attack, or mental attack, or physical abuse, mental abuse, one, try and get the help. Don't hide in the dark. And two, just you, you'll get through it, just like I have. I've got through it. So if I can get through it, anyone can. That's great advice. Thank you for sharing that with us. And it's um, it's amazing to hear that you're turning something that has been so traumatic and yeah. so triggering into something that's positive. And I think it's... Um, like what you said you want to be fully not given necessarily the all clear but you want to feel in yourself that you're like past it enough so that it's not going to be triggering for when you're on set and not gonna you know affect you in a in a bad way potentially it's going to be a healthy way of relating to characters and bringing your own experience to life and I think as an actor and performer that's and a creative that's um one of the most rewarding things so well done to you for doing that because that's a huge testament to you and your character um I would love for you to share about your upcoming projects with our audience. So give us a little insight into what you're going to be getting up to. Right. So um, 
for anyone who has well not many people would have watched it but there's a, there's an indie indie youtube series which is on uh youtube which is called the dead and ups not as an inland symbol it's the dead and ups and it's um based it it's a bit like the walking dead but it's a bit it's like a spin-off, but it's not spin-off as such. It's unique in its own way. Um, I was supposed to be in part of it years ago um, in the season one, um, but due to mental health, that didn't happen. Um, I can't really say much about my character because we're keeping it very, very, very... Under wraps. <laughs> Yeah, that's the word under wraps with me because it's going to be a shocker kind of thing. No, I'm not playing a zombie before anyone thinks that. No zombies. I'm not going to be playing a zombie, but I've had... I will be coming into it. I can't say what episode, but I'll be introduced in one episode and then I'll be in at least a season. Um, Like I said, it's... It's not one of these big production companies. It's done by a very good friend of mine, Luke Burge. He's uh, based in the South. Um, I'm waiting for confirmation um, of when the filming for introducing me as such in an episode is going to be done, but you're looking at the beginning of next month. Um, Like I said, it's not a high-budget series. Each episode lasts 10 to 20 minutes, so it's not a big series as such. And in season one, which is on YouTube, um, there's only six episodes. There is going to be season two, um, which they are filming at the moment. Um, And there will be a season three, that's all I can say. I'm not going to say the name of my character yet. Um because it hasn't been announced by himself to the public. Um, But I have got a character within uh, the series, which I'm excited about. And I know he's excited about taking me on as well, because we've been wanting to collaborate for many years. Let's just say since 2018, we wanted to collaborate. Um, But things have just stopped me from going down there or whatnot. But I've got nothing... Um, to stop me from going down there for filming for two days now. So I've got that coming up in the very, very, very um, near future. Um, And then, um, I don't know where to start off with. I'll let you decide. Do you want me to start off with the venture which... I've just started, or do you want me to start off with what I told you when we first discussed? Let's go with the bench you started, because I'm not sure I've heard about this. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you would have heard of the Prince's Trust, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, for ever since Screenfest, I've wanted to have my own business. And it. It's been one of these things kind of thing. And then last year in November, just before my attack, I did the Exploring Enterprise Conference. 
Um, then I was put on the Enterprise Programme. Now, for anyone who doesn't know what the Enterprise Programme is in Prince's Trust, there is information on the website. And this is promoting Prince's Trust now. But um, I think it's, is it 16 or 18? I don't know if it's 16 or 18. This is something that you have to look on the website for. But I think it's 18, 16, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it is 18 to 30 for the Enterprise Programme. But 18 to 30-year-olds, but... Check if you want to, like, guys, like I said, um, 18 to 30-year-olds go on something called the Enterprise Programme if they have a business idea. Now, I've just completed, because of my attack and because of my memory loss and everything like that, I did get to start having a business plan sorted. But then because my, mem- my memory went, my emails went, I had to have a brand new email address and all this stuff. I'm thinking, God's sake. Um and then my memory went really bad. And my UDL, which is a youth development lead, or also known as Prince's Trust Executive, um, I lost contact with him. And a couple like last month, I got back in contact with him. And because I'm out of his area, he wasn't going to be my UDL anymore. But because of the how bad my attack was, I actually said, could I do the training course again? So last week I actually finished the training course, the two-day training course, so I'm back on the Enterprise Programme. Now, years ago, it was going to be a profitable organisation. It's going to be an academy, um, an academy for everyone, no matter what walk of life they come, they can come to the academy. Um, It is going to be based in Warwickshire at the start, um, but I'm hoping to in five years' time, branch out to nationwide. Um, It will be an independent um, academy, but it's not going to be profitable. Um, I know I can get more funding and it will be better on the public if it's a CIC, which is a community interest company, which is also known as a non-profitable organisation. So... Without going into detail as such, because it's still in the business plan stages, I've just finished the first draft of the business plan kind of such without the finance stuff. Um, it is going to be a non-profitable organisation. It's going to be, a co- I'm hoping to have a creative arts company. So that's going to be, it's going to be six to 18 year olds at the start. Um I won't be teaching as such. I'll be having teachers come in, um, but there's going to be a, a performing arts academy for six to 18-year-olds, so there's going to be three different categories, a bit like stagecoach and everything like that. But there's also going to be a film academy for six to 18-year-olds, and there's going to be a creative arts academy for six to 18-year-olds. So... There's going to be three different academies, but it's going to branch into one academy. So creative arts, you're looking at your immersive theatres, you're looking at your um, animation theatres, you're looking at a lot of stuff. There's a massive thing which I want, and that would be an immersive room. And an immersive room would be anything you touch, it will interact with you. So the floor to ceiling, walls, it will be classed as a 4D room. 
So you touch the wall and you interact with something on the wall and it's something which will cost a lot of money, but it will have a massive impact. And um, so there's that. But then there's going to be the adults. I've done a lot of market research, both on the Actors UK pages, Midlands Actors pages, the local community-based places. And there is a lot of gaps in the industry and in the academies as such where I can put my foot in. So it won't only be for six to 18 year olds. You're looking at master classes and classes for adults. I have a lot of, I have my feet in a lot of holes as such. Like I know a lot of people, I know a lot of companies who are willing to come and do master classes for me. Um, and train people for me. But it's going to be one of these ones where you don't need to fit criteria to come and learn or come and do something, but it's going to be a safe haven for the local community as well. So I'm going to have art classes. I'm going to... So it's going to be a complete creative arts company um, for anyone. I'm not going to judge anyone by the colour, the looks, the disabilities, anything. You walk in, you'll be welcomed. Um, as such, I haven't got a name for this company. Um, this is something I will be speaking to my new Princess Trust exec on the 30th of November when I have a one-to-one -one with them. Um, but I've also got Nat West on board. I've actually got a meeting with them on the 26th of this month for their Alexander, their access, I can't say now. Is it access, is it accessibility or? It's not, 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 it's, you know, when you can't, it's, it's, people are going to laugh at this point. When you put your foot, not on the gap, not. The accelerator. Yes, that's the word. That's exactly what I wanted. Um, as people know, my brain's not working. So, so there is words that I can't say, but that they have a programme called what you just said, um, which is a six-month programme, and they actually accelerate. Yes, I've said the word. <laughs> the, the business... Um, so I've, I've got a question and answer session and an information session on that on the 26th of this month. And hopefully I'm going to be applying for that. Now, there's certain criteria because mine's going to hopefully have a public impact. I fit that criteria. Um, you're probably thinking, how the how am I going to get funding for all this? I will be going to the arts councils. Um, if there's any company who out there who would, like to get involved i'll give you my instagram handle you will hopefully put it on for me after this uh interview but i'll make sure i put out all the links to your profiles in the show notes of this episode so people can go guys if you are wondering you can head to the show notes and all the links for dave will be there <laughs> well um so if there's any company any individuals any even funders who would love to part be part of this just give me an email, give me a message and I'll get back to him because like I said, this is still in the ideas. I'm very excited about it because there is a lot of uniqueness to it. 
I can't say the uniqueness because I don't want then someone to go and steal it. my ideas. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that sounds incredibly but, exciting. Yeah, it's going to be... Like, I'm hoping to launch it next year, let's just say that, but I doubt it'd be a next year project because of all the stuff which I will talk about in a minute when you ask me to, but... Um, yeah, the... It's a work in progress, let's just say that. It's a massive work in progress. Um, and it's something I'm excited about. Uh, it's something which will get my mind flowing. I've got a lot of ideas anyway. Um, I am going to get a few friends involved as such. Um, <laughs> Alexa just joined so in the I'm conversation. I think it's because she said the word friend. I think she thinks you're her friend. Um, Probably. That sounds extremely exciting. So now let's talk about the other venture that you've got going on. Quickly explain about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where do I start off with that? Um, so a couple of years ago, I found out I had a mental health problem and I wanted to write a film about that. And that started and it all fell through as such. Um, and then after this attack, I'm thinking, I could use this really, really, really well. And I went to one of my friends who's the, the founder of Cash Star Films, his name. He goes by the name of Baz Cash or Baza Cash, we call him. And I looked on his website, first of all, and he says, it says that he can do, he can write feature film, 90 minute scripts for a price. I'm thinking, because since my attack, I have tried to write a script. I have tried to write my own film. I just can't do it. It's just too close to home. Mm. And I was thinking, right, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to ask someone. And I gave the idea to the buzz. He says, Dave, this is an amazing idea. He's just started either filming or finished filming a film which he's doing, which is about PTSD. So it's around that area anyway. I knew he's done some heartfelt films. And I said to him, right, I says, I want you to write me a script. And I said, my situation and everything. And he's took it on. And we're actually, with my help, and I'm going to be looking at the script throughout the process, um, we're actually going to have a feature film made. It's going to be, little bit based on my attack, just a tiny bit based on my attack. Um, we are dramatising it to the extreme as such. Um, there is one point where people are like, Dave, why are you doing that when you've gone through the real thing? And I will say that in a minute and I'll say it. I'll explain what my role will be in this film. Um and I'm not going to go into detail what it is, but it's he's dramatising it. It's going to be a very impactful. When I mean dramatised, I mean the attack is going to be in it, and I'll explain. 
explain what's happening with that in a minute, but the attack will be in it. The kind of characters, as in that the males will be in it, there won't be cross-genders or the genders won't change for the film, but that's where the, the actual factual part stops. There'll be bits in it like when I go to counselling, the character will then go to counselling kind of thing. There will be bits like that. But I didn't know the attackers. There's... In the film, the victim does know the attacker or one of the attackers. That's all I'm saying about it. So it... it and then the film's also going to show the impact on the victim but also the attackers. So it's going to be based on a true event, but what happens to the attackers might not happen to my attackers in real life. Um, the charges might not be the same kind of thing. It's one of these things, and this is why there's not much promotion about it as such. Um, but so his writing the script as we speak, he is getting the, the characters done as we speak, but I think he's waiting to see how my tack goes. So this isn't going to be your 2022 project. You're probably looking at it being worked on throughout 2022, but you're probably looking at starting filming in 2023. I'm not 100% sure. Um, and are you taking on a, a creative role in this? This is what I was going to go on about. I'm glad you're asking it now. I'm overseeing the script. Um, but I'm not taking the director's approach. Um, I'm actually having... Uh, I am actually going to... Bother. You would have seen it on my Instagram page. Uh, but there's the, uh, the English Outlaw, the Dick Turpin story. And there's also on my Facebook page, the sort of Scavelia, which was on Pride Voice pilot episode. I'm actually part of those two projects. Now, they're done by someone called Henceforth Films. I've actually gone to Henceforth Films because they are very good friends of mine. Like I said, I have my feet in a lot of holes here. Um, and Henceforth Films are going to produce the film. Um, so I've actually got a production company on board. Um, there is some very, very, very exciting news I, would, I will release in a minute. Um, but I'm not going to say his name. He knows who he is. I know who he is. We are in contact. He has gone to his producer, and that's a hint. Um, and there is a fee to it, and I am willing to pay that fee. Um, but um, they are going to produce this film. I'm hoping it's going to be a 90 minute to two-hour film. But my role on it is I'll be overseeing the whole because I'm having an executive committee because of the what the production about. But I will be playing the lead role in the film and that is going to be my role in the actual whole of the production will be I'll be playing the victim in the film. And this is a point where people are like, I'm a real mother who I'm still in contact with. She goes, oh, David White, and that's my real name, and I don't like people saying my full name, but... Um, 
they're like, why are you doing that? I'm thinking, because the impact will be greater if I'm playing the lead role. And we are going to actually get sugar glass bottles done, which will be a hit over my head um, at the same kind of time which it happened in real life. So that impact will hopefully bring back my attack, but not on a major mental health scale. Hopefully people will be on the edge of the seats. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. So, no, I'm not taking a director's approach. I think I'll be going to henceforth films for director as well. Um, unfortunately, a person who I've been working with for many, many years, like since 2018, Ross Heath and CJ, they're the, the company owners of 24-7 Films, where Rossi's acting career has gone from okay, well, good, to incredible, where he's having some big things coming up. So he didn't want to... Com At the start, he committed to be green director, and then he says, Dave... There's a lot of things going on in my life and my acting career. I just don't want to promise you I will be director when I might not be able to. He is still going to have a part in the film, still going to go to him for certain things, and he is going to have a character in the film. I have told him that. But it looks like henceforth films will probably be producing and directing it. I'm not taking on a director. Directors all never directed film in my life, and this is too close to heart. Yeah, a sure. very, 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 very exciting moment for me is I've been in contact since March 2020 with, with he's a very good friend of mine. He was actually in the quarterfinals of The Voice in 2020. Um, I'm not going to say his name, but. If people watch The Voice, they might know who he is. And he's based in London. I, I do have contact with him. It's not very often because he's very busy and I'm busy at the moment. But I've gone to him. I've told him a story. He knew about me being homeless and everything anyway. He's always supported me. And one of his songs is actually going to be the soundtrack to the film. That's exciting. Yeah, um, I can't say what what song yet. Um, I can't say who he is yet because I don't want to. I could, but I'm not going to. But um, He's gone to his manager and he's gone to his producer and they both said, yes, but I would have to pay a licensing fee um, or copyright fee such. And I am willing to pay that fee. And it's an incredible song. And it would suit the film incredibly. There is going to be more songs involved. I'm hoping to get an actual song made for the film and produced by someone and sung by someone. But the main soundtrack will be someone who's been on The Voice, basically. Um, so that's exciting for me, but I've had a lot of companies come to me already. There's someone called Knife Crime Victim Support or KCVS, 
And Quinton, who's the founder of that, I've spoke to him. He's supporting me because of my attack, but he does poems. <coughs> so hopefully we're going to get a poem written and a certain part in the film, I'm actually going to get him to read out this poem as a voice kind of thing while something's going on. So we, we, we've got a lot of incredible people wanting to be involved. And we've got the knife crime victim support. We've got PTSD UK who want to be involved. We've got, um, like I said, Henceforce films. We've got Cash Star films. We've got the singer from The Voice. It, I want it to be a big thing. This isn't going to be a small project. It's not going to be one of these small, low-budget projects. And this is the thing I want to come on to, is that I will be going to the BFI for funding. I will be going to Arts Council for funding. But I don't know if they will, if they fund me for my, my company. Um, I was supposed to go on the Set Ready course in 2018 for the National Youth Film the NYFA, which is National Youth Film Academy, but I didn't because of my mental health. Now, I want to try and get them involved because they have a lot of that young actors, which I will need. So it's... It's an it's incredibly exciting time. Um, and thank you so much for sharing so much of it with us because it sounds like yeah. over the coming years, it's going to be... A very, very exciting time for you. My very, very last question of the day is if you could give one piece of advice to any aspiring performer, what would it be? <laughs> you put me on the spot. Sorry. Uh, I ask everyone this. <laughs> I think I'm just going to say quotes. And I've got a quote actually tattooed on me. Um, and at the start, it wasn't, really for, for, for me to perform with um, and there's no actual person who wrote this quote um, so I can't say who it's by or anything like that but at this point in my life and in everyone's life and the, the industry's life with how much is going on in the industry at the moment I think this quote's a very inspirational one and it's our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. And it, that means never give up. Um, if you don't get the part you want, doesn't mean you're rubbish at acting or you're rubbish at doing what you're doing. It just means you don't fit that role for them. Um, and just believe in yourself because I still don't believe in myself but I'm starting to with what's going on um follow your dreams and that's all I can say and just keep on going no matter what the film or the stage industries have in store for us all Perfect. Thank you so much, Dave, for that advice. And I will put his links in the show notes. So if you are wondering where you can follow Dave and all his amazing projects and his work and what he's getting up to, you can head to the link in our show notes and I'll put them in there. Dave, thank you so much for giving up your time to come on the show today. It's okay. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you to everyone listening at home. I've been Bethany Unwin and this has been Performer Talks.